Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm Christina, and I'm really, really excited because joining us today on the show is one of my favorite authors of all time, E.S. Christensen, author of the Blameless series uh, and uh, a person that I like a lot. Hey, Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Christina, I'm super excited to be here today. Yes, me too. So for starters, what are your pronouns? She and her. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about The Blameless and your other work. Okay, so The Blameless, um, it is written about a 13-year-old princess named Brianna, and she lived a safe and happy life in her kingdom, and then one night... um, Her kingdom is attacked, her city is overthrown, her family is killed, and she's being hunted. So she's on the run, and she's rescued by a group of three mysterious, magical people who take her and take her under their wing, and they teach her how to use her own magic, and they they help her out. And yeah, it's about her learning how to use her own magical gifts and how she recovers from this devastating loss that she's experienced. And yeah, yeah, she moves forward. And let me tell you, listeners, I have been working with this book for a long time. I helped publish it twice, the first edition and then the second edition. I've read it probably, probably going on 10 times now, and I'm not sick of it yet. So I think that's, I I think that's incredible. I don't think I've read a book this much besides like the first couple Harry Potter books. That's very flattering. Thank you, Christina. Having Christina as my editor, sometimes I shudder to think how the blameless would have turned out without her. She just has elevated this book and prodded my brain and helped me so much. So you deserve a huge amount of thanks for how it turned out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank you. I'm crying. I'm crying. Oh, my gosh. And it's just I mean, it's it's just so fun to work on a book that you love so much. So. Um, So what inspired you to write this story about Brie and her blameless powers? Okay, so I am actually not a writer by trade. I didn't go to school for writing. I'm a nurse and I'm I'm a busy person. I've got a large family. So it's not like I didn't have anything to do with my time. But I actually one night I had this I had this dream, actually. It sounds a little cliche, but I had this dream and I woke up in the middle of the night and it was about this this girl who was, you know, her family was killed and she was in hiding and someone came and rescued her. And I woke up at that point. It was basically the first seven pages of my story. And and I couldn't get back to sleep and I normally don't breathe so um, in such a detailed way. And, and I just... It couldn't get it out of my head. And I told my husband about it the next morning. And I said, it would just make an amazing book. And he said, well, sell the idea to Disney and make a movie out of it. And then we just <laughs> laughed about that. And of course, then I went about life, continued on with my busy life. But then this this dream, it didn't leave me. It just stayed with me for months and months and months. And I couldn't get this girl out of my head. And I wanted to know what happened to her. Yeah, you're worried about her. <laughs> I know what what happened. And so then I just decided after about six months that I was going to try to write this story. 
So that that is what was the catalyst, I suppose, for it. And since I've been writing, then I, of course, have fallen in love with it more. And I'm very vested in this book and invested in getting this series completed. Yeah. So tell us about the sequel. I happen to know that there's a sequel in the works. Yes. Yeah, so my sequel is called The Tarnished. And The Tarnished is coming out in November of 2022. And it is Bree's continued journey. And it's about her trying to, her goal now is to basically avenge her family and take back her kingdom. And so we're going to hear more of, or read more of that journey in The Tarnished. Yes, I'm so excited. Uh, I've read it. It's amazing. So Liz, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that you're a nurse, you have a large family, um, many children, uh, you got other stuff going on in your life. So we're here to talk about but in chair, right? That's the name of this episode, which is a bit of a PG rated version of Stephen King's quote. I'll, I'll adapt it for our audiences. <laughs> but um, Stephen King has this quote that the, the first step to writing is but in chair. I, I think a lot of writers can relate to this. Me too. I'm like, oh, I want to write today. And then I'm like, well, time to get the laundry done. <laughs> it's like, it's so hard to just sit down and get writing. So uh, you've managed it though, with all that, that you have going on in your life. And so I want to talk a little bit today about how how you make it happen. Sure. So I would say the way that I make it happen is first of all, I've always been lucky to be a night owl. And so my most productive hours for thinking and doing things is typically in the evening. And so a lot of that writing has happened evenings after work, after my kids are in bed, um, at least the youngest ones are in bed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I kind of spend most of my writing time. However, I also have kind of made it a motto of mine that I'm going to write a little something every day. So it has actually happened many times or a few times in any case that I've sat down, I've opened up my book and I've written about a sentence and I've looked at that paragraph and I'm like, okay, I'm done for tonight. You know, so it's (laughs) not like I actually have always do huge amounts. My most productive times are probably Saturday mornings when house is waking up. I sometimes will get up early and work on Saturday mornings. And I just have been devoted to just being consistent. Yeah. And I would say too, getting my first draft down on paper. And I, I read this or um, listened to maybe a podcast about this one time, how to, how to write a book. And it was actually, I think all of us can relate to when we open up our story, we start reading what we wrote and we immediately want to start editing it because we want to tweak Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't sound quite right. And so I force myself to just continue. I just move forward and I I don't go back and reread it and retweak it. That's for the second draft. So the first draft is very much a skeleton. If I'm, if I'm writing along and then I, I know that I need to have some witty dialogue, but it's not coming to me in the moment then I write in parentheses, tell a story or add dialogue. And then I keep going. Or if I can't think of a character name, I'll just put it in parentheses, you know, name the character. And then I just keep going. And so that first draft is really the skeleton of my book. And it, and then I go back through on the second draft and I add the, the meat. Yeah. A couple episodes back, we talked about writing drunk, edit sober, which is like, you don't know alcohol required. You know, it's more about the mindset of just being able to get your first draft down because that's just the hardest part. Once it's so much easier to fix what's there than it is to produce something from nothing. So that's awesome. One other thing too, like I've actually, if I'm in the middle of a thing, am I writing and I'm really passionate about it, then 
I also will occasionally I've been known to have my laptop open on the counter. And if I'm cooking dinner and it's taken a while and it's got to simmer for a while, then I'll click away on the laptop a little bit as I'm cooking. So I yeah. do, I do just squeeze in as many moments as I can. And I, I really try my hardest to be consistent. Yeah, that's so funny. I do a lot of reading while I'm cooking while stuff is simmering. My husband comes home from work and I'm just leaning against the counter with a book. Yes. <laughs> it's a weekday night. Maybe it's a Saturday morning. You're like, it's time to write. What's your writing routine? Do you do anything to get ready? Do you like to have anything with you? My writing routine is I just like to have, I, I like coffee or water. I have something to drink. I don't, other than that, I try my hardest to be in a quiet environment. Now, sometimes in the evenings when I'm writing, I'll just sit in the living room with my husband and he'll have the TV on. And so there's a little bit of a distraction and I am not mm -hmm. as productive then. My most productive times are if I am like alone in my room or an office space. And if I'm alone and I've got a keyboard and I've got something to drink, I just go. I don't listen to music. I don't really do anything wow. else. I just, I just type. Laser focused. I love that. You kind of alluded to this. What's your ideal writing environment? You mentioned you write in your room. I guess maybe the living room with the TV maybe is not your ideal writing environment, but uh, what, what's the, the ideal? Yeah, the ideal would be either... Actually, sometimes not even in my room is ideal, though, because I have children who often will knock on the door and want to come in. So sometimes yep. I've actually sometimes gone to my father's house and he's been gone and I have sat down and just used his place as a quiet space. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> sometimes I have gone to like a coffee shop or, you know, and when I really have a chapter that I need to finish or an edit that I need to finish and I've got to get it done, then I will leave my house and, and try to focus on that. But just a quiet space for me, just an uninterrupted quiet space. I feel like every time I go to work at a coffee shop, I go with Grace and or Mary Payton, and we end up doing so much more chatting than working. It always backfires. So maybe I should go by myself one day. <laughs> Occasionally, yes. Yeah. I mean, there was actually even one time too that I, I don't know why I did this, but I was in my car and I pulled up my laptop and I had to finish a scene. And so then I just clacked away there in my car you know, and, and finished a really important chapter. So people podcast from their cars. Cars are safe spaces, you yes, know, <laughs> they are. They're quiet spaces. <laughs> when I am alone, probably my writing speed is at least four times as quick as when I am sitting with just distractions all around me. So, but I still get yeah. work done that way. I try to focus some of that time with things like also, you know, maintaining an author presence on social media, then I can also do. Yeah, that's a great thing to do while you're you got the TV on or whatever. Posting and marketing and emails and things like that. My husband's not a big reader. I'm a big reader. And obviously, I spend a lot of time editing and writing. Um, so my husband knows that if I'm reading or writing in the living room, he ha he can only watch like his anime because it's in Japanese. And so it doesn't distract me the way that English language does. <laughs> That is priceless. I love that. <laughs> what motivates you to write when you're not really feeling it, when the creative juices aren't flowing, when you've had a long, hard week, but you, you got to get in that little bit every day? What what do you do to motivate yourself? First of all, my kids are a huge motivating factor, you know, so That's I feel awesome. like I'm kind of doing this for them. That really is the reason I, I wrote this story to in one way give to them. And then they ended up sharing it with their friends and you know, it just kind of has spread into something actually a lot bigger than I originally expected it to be, really, honestly. But so they have been a huge motivating factor for me. And also, now that 
The Blameless has been out in the world for a long time. I have a lot of readers who every time I see them, they ask me, when is that next book coming out? You know, and so my fans are motivators. I don't want to disappoint my fans. I want to give them this, this next, you know, book in the series or installment. That's awesome. It's really important for authors to take their platform seriously. You know, you can't can't start a story for people and then never finish George R. R. Martin. <laughs> I've given up waiting for his next book. <laughs> do you ever get writer's block? I do sometimes. Like sometimes I, it's more like, where am I going to go next? And that motivation okay. to use up my mental juices or capacity to try to figure out what it is. And so sometimes there is like ugh, a scene or a moment and I, and I'm struggling with it. And so then, then actually there are those moments where I will put it down and I will walk away from it. And I will maybe a week if I need to, I will just put it down for a minute and focus on some other aspects of, you know, being a writer, other things, and then I'll, I'll come back to it. And in that time where I am not writing, then I am mulling over all the possibilities of things that, different ways I can take my plot. Yeah, absolutely. I find that when I'm trying to figure out like a next steps in a story or how to how to do like a developmental edit with an author, the best ideas always come to me when I'm driving because you're like, you're like not expecting, you you know, you gotta, you gotta stop sometimes and let the answer come to you. So I have this long series of like voice memo because you can't write anything down. You're driving. So I have like a long series of voice memos on my phone. That's like, wait, I figured it out. What if in the third act you learn that they were brothers all along, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. Actually, one thing I do that helps with my writer's block too. I have three boys. I call them boys, but they're men. They're in their twenties. Okay. (laughs) But I have, you know, three sons who are into D&D and they're super creative. And I sometimes also my husband will just go, you know, sit down and we'll hash out something. I'll ask their opinion on something and kind of get a little bit of feedback. And that's been a lot of fun, too, that they they have helped me sometimes get through plot. Yeah, D&D is like a really wild different kind of storytelling like it is so immersive and you just have to think on your feet and be so confident of every choice because there's no going back so I'm sure that their storytelling skills are really refined because of playing Dungeons and Dragons absolutely I mean sometimes they've said to me yeah we're gonna play D&D over Christmas break or you know over the holidays and then you know the days are ticking by and I'm like when are you playing D&D and they're like mom we're creating our backstories (laughs) Yeah, it it takes days. It's involved. It's a very involved process. So is there anything that discourages you when you're writing? Maybe maybe when you're writing or when you're percolating, getting ready to write? Is there anything that discourages you? Um, I think the things that can be discouraging is I do put a lot of pressure on myself that it needs to be done quickly. So as far as being discouraged, I feel like sometimes I don't have enough time or as much time as I feel is necessary dedicate to dedicate to it, to get it completed. So my lack of time sometimes is overwhelming because I am such a busy person. So how do you combat those moments? Um, then I have to be realistic with myself and I have to think I can only do what I can do. I can only, you know, do so much. And that's actually got to be enough. That's enough. Yeah. And if my fans, you know, my readers, if they like my story, then they'll be patient and they'll wait on it. So I just have to kind of talk myself off the cliff sometimes, you know, like, don't put this unnatural pressure on yourself. Just do what you can do and and do it as, as well as you can do it. You 
got to keep it fun, you know? If if it turns into really hard work that you're not looking forward to, oof. Yeah, and I really, really have, you know, I was not this writer before. I was a nurse, and I would, in nursing, I don't know if you know about nursing documentation, but it is cut no. and dry and simple and shorthand oh, yeah, and sure. abbreviations and very minimalistic. So to be to start writing in a creative way is a huge learning curve for me, but I have really learned to just love it. I, I do enjoy it. So it's not so much a, a burden for me when I sit down and write it. So you're exactly right. right. If it becomes heavy, then why do it? You know, yeah. you've got to love what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that most writers can probably relate to, I love this craft. And yet, there's, I, I also dread spending time on it. It makes me so anxious. Like it's a balance, you know, just like anything else in your life that you care about. Yes. Well, you know what? And also your own self-doubt that the work is good enough. Like I personally have huge amount of that imposter syndrome. Is that what we call it? I have a, yeah. I have a huge amount of imposter syndrome. So like sometimes I'm like, you know, this story isn't good enough. Nobody's going to like it. The plot's terrible, you know, so sometimes those doubts can come in too. Yeah, well, and I hope that gets a little bit better every day because, Liz, we've been on this journey together. You know, we both were working on this book before before many people had read it, before it was out in the world, and both of us were like, I think this is good. Yeah, I think this is pretty good, but, you, you know, you don't really know. You don't really know for sure until people that you don't know start approaching you randomly to talk about it. And so every time a new person is like, I just discovered the blameless and I love it. I'm like, really? Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I know. Every time I hear that, it just sometimes still blows my mind. I mean, just, you know, just, just today I got a message from a mother who said, I bought this book for my 13 year old son and he's read it twice this week and loves it. You yes. can't wait for the sequel, you know? And I was just so like, exciting. how did you find out about it? Oh, I saw it on, on Instagram. So, Well, shout out to everyone who's posting about it on yeah, Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to say that. Thanks to every single person who has opened their mouth and spread the word and shared things on social media. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Just because we have a little bit of extra time here at the end, a couple fun questions. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Do you fly by the seat of your pants or do you plot your story out scene by scene before you get started? I am absolutely a pantser. Like I, I have, let's for the, for example, with the tarnished, I had about six to eight things that I knew had to happen in the book. And mm -hmm. I kind of knew chronologically how they would occur. But that's about all I knew. And then when I sit down at my keyboard, really, that is when the story flows for me. I know everyone is different. I have tried my hardest to do a, a teeny bit more of an outline on uh, the third book. But uh, I, for the most part, I am just, it's coming to me as I type. And I'm fortunate that it, it happens that way. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever find yourself like stopping and being like, wait, I need to figure out where this, where the trajectory of this story is going? Or is it usually just a what happens next kind of inquiry? I, I, I haven't typed myself into or written myself into like a, a spot where I can't get out of I, it's, it's mm -hmm. I kind of know where it's going. And normally I just think what's the next phase. 
And I, I meant to ask earlier, but I feel like you kind of addressed this. Um, the, a question that I have written down here is how do you balance writing time with family time? But it seems like you also managed to incorporate the two by writing this book that your kids can enjoy and including your super cool D&D sons in on the storytelling, which that I'm, I feel like that maybe sounded sarcastic, but it's not. I also play D&D. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So it is super important because this is it. It can't take over. Like for me, it's not. It can't be my priority. My writing. Actually, I have a lot that needs to go on. I work full time as a nurse, and I have seven children, and they they range in age from twelve to twenty five. So it's not like they're babies. They're all fairly self sufficient, but I'm still extremely busy, and they. Yeah, I'm still very much needed. So I, like, if I know I have a deadline, for example. Then I make sure I spend time with my kids first. We do something first. We maybe go shopping or we go out to dinner or we spend a little bit of family time together first. And then I'm like, okay, guys, now, you know, mom's got to get this done. I'm going to be really busy for the, for this weekend. So mm-hmm. we can plan, we can plan uh, other things, you know, we can get you together with your friends. You can have a friend over if you want, or, you know, so, or and vacations and things like that, of course, then I, I don't take my book stuff with me, of course, to those things. That's all about 100% of my, my focus is on what we're doing in that moment. Yeah, I feel like I always take work stuff on vacation, and then I ignore it the whole time. And I'm like, why did I bring this? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not worth it. Live in the moment and enjoy your vacation, right? Absolutely. Well, Liz, it has been just such a pleasure talking with you today. You know, we chat a lot all the time via email, but I don't often get to talk to your face. So thank you so much for joining us on How Do I Book? Thank you so much, Christina. I feel like everyone at Wildling Press is amazing. Your talent is amazing. I love listening to your podcast. And if anyone has any doubts about if Wildling Press can, can do a good job with publishing their book, they absolutely can. Well, thank you so much. And we feel the same about you. So please, everyone, go grab your copy of The Blameless. It's available in paperback, hardcover, uh, the other ones, ebook and audiobook. And The Tarnished is coming up soon. So you definitely want to get that first installment read so that you're ready when the sequel comes out. And that's how you book. This episode was edited by me, Christina Kahn. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying transcription and visit us online at Wildling Press on social media or at www.wildlingpress.com.